Thank you to Viran and to Huda for bringing us our readings. I'm just going to um, share together for a, a few minutes and then for um, some of the conversation that um, Smee has helped us to frame uh, in, our, in our service this morning. Just before we do, I'll, I'll pray. Father, we ask for your guidance and your courage. Help us to see where you are leading us and give us the courage to follow. We pray this in the name of Jesus and in the strength of your spirit. Amen. Amen. As we've been saying, um, we are trying now to spend a few weeks together uh, thinking about um, how uh, we respond to some of the issues raised by the Black Lives Matter movement. And to do that, uh, uh, God-given common sense, our uh, learning from him, uh, our experience and the experience of others, but also seeking to do that um, under God through the voice uh, of Scripture. And uh, uh, we are undertaking a journey, and on that journey there will be some bumps and, and maybe even some wrong turnings. Uh, but ultimately, we, we trust and hope that God is leading us to a place that is better. And last week, we had a, a sort of whistle-stop tour through some of the great truths of Scripture. We remembered that we are all created in the image of God. We remember that uh, the whole world uh, belongs to him. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, Psalm 24. We remember that basic equality of our creation. We remember the fact that we are all redeemed equally by the death of Christ and invited into a new life through his resurrection. As uh, um, I was reminded this week, uh, there's a lovely phrase which goes, the ground at the cross is level. We are all there together. We all are equally in need of his saving power and they're equally drenched in the love of God poured out for us. So Jesus' death and resurrection is for us and for all of creation. And the spirit, of course, poured out on Pentecost uh, is poured out on all flesh and the, the, the floodgates open at that moment and the, the covenant promises of God are made true for the whole uh, of, of creation. And we get glimpses of that in the New Testament where the church becomes a community where all are welcome, where there is no Jew or Gentile, male or female, slave or free, for all are one in Christ Jesus. And this revolutionary community which spread across uh, the ancient world was one of radical equality and radical inclusion. And we we glimpsed last week that beautiful vision of revelation where the, 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 the people who are worshipping God are drawn from every tribe and nation and language and people and worship the Lamb who was slain. So from creation, from Genesis, right the way through to Revelation, there are these deep and beautiful truths. And they are so deep and beautiful that they make us want to sing. We know that they are true. They are true in scripture and they are true in our hearts. And yet, and yet, 
we also know that they are not true in the world around us. They are not true in our churches. They're not true in our society. They're not true in our world. And if we are honest, we know, I know, that Western Christians, people like me, have played our part in creating a world, in creating a society, which is riven by a whole set of really deep and disturbing divisions. You probably know uh, the, the phrase from Desmond Tutu, uh, a well-known quote, when he said, when the missionaries came to Africa, they had the Bible and we had the land. They said, let us pray. We closed our eyes. When we opened them, we had the Bible and they had the land. We know that there is a story, isn't there? There is a story. And this brings us, particularly Western Christians, into a very powerful position. And a powerful position that we have not used, that we have not used for the good of all. Instead, too often, that power has led to division and to violence and to the needs of the few being uh, uh, um, prioritized over the needs of the many. Now, all of this <clears throat> can induce huge amounts of guilt and also a sense of bewilderment. I feel guilty and I don't know what to do. And that's where I hope the voice of scripture will help us. Because over the next few weeks, I hope that we can travel through one of the, the best known stories of scripture and to try to read it afresh. We're going to try to travel through the story of the Exodus, the story where a slave and subjugated people are set free. Now, when we read the story of the Exodus, instinctively, I think we place ourselves amongst the people of Israel. We place ourselves there. After all, they are the people of God and they are the good guys in the story. And we are the people of God, aren't we? And we are, hopefully, the good guys when it comes to the way in which we look at life. But is it possible to read the Exodus story from the perspective of the Egyptians and to say, look, here is a very powerful group. How did they behave when they were challenged? How did they react? What does their action teach us? And how might we learn from them so that we might behave differently? Is it possible to read this great story, but to do that slightly differently? As I say, from the perspective of the Egyptians and learn from their mistakes that will highlight our mistakes and enable us to be led into something which is better. And I wanted today just to start 
with that reading that, that Viren gave us from the end of the, the book of uh, Genesis. Because at the end of the book of Genesis, the, the people of Israel are really just one extended family. They are Jacob, his, his wives, his sons, their wives and their children, roughly 70 in number. And we know, partly from the, uh, the musical, uh, but also from the, from the scriptures, that they are in Canaan and they are starving because there is a famine there. And Joseph, the son who had the dream coat and all of that, has gone down to Egypt and has risen up through the, the providence and the, the graciousness of God and has in effect become the prime minister of Egypt. And there's that beautiful scene where Joseph is reconciled to his brothers and ultimately Jacob and the whole tribe of Israel, which is about 70 people, come down to Egypt to settle in Goshen, the best of the land. So if you think about it at this moment, there is a strange uh, set of, of relationships going on. All group of people, about 70, who are basically refugees, are traveling from what we know as, as modern day Israel down into Egypt, down and, 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 and across and into uh, Egypt. And because they have a, a friend in high places, they are introduced to Pharaoh. Okay? Now, it's probably difficult for us to really understand what that is like. Try, if you can, to imagine somebody from, uh, from Syria who spent time in a Greek refugee camp meeting President Trump or Chairman Xi or President Putin. Those are the kind of power uh, dynamics that are involved. A very, very small group of people who are in deep trouble meeting the leader of the superpower of the time. But what happens when they meet is absolutely fascinating. We read, Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. And what does Jacob do? Does he prostrate himself? Does he, does he sort of grovel before Pharaoh? He doesn't. He blesses him. Jacob blessed Pharaoh and they have a conversation and at the end of this remarkable little meeting Jacob blesses him again. Usually the more powerful blesses the less, the greater blesses the lesser but not on this occasion. Jacob blesses Pharaoh twice. And Pharaoh treats him with huge respect, asking him about his age, and they have a conversation. It is remarkably a meeting of equals. And it seems that they both have something to give and to receive. Jacob gives the blessing of God that Pharaoh receives. Pharaoh has his economic wealth and, and, and generosity, which he can give to Jacob, and Jacob receives. There seems to be respect, affirmation, 
even humility from this great leader. So it gives us a snapshot of how communities can be together. It gives us a snapshot of communities, even very powerful ones and relatively powerless ones, finding a way to have respect and admiration and a mutuality towards one another, regardless of the relative power or lack of power. So Egypt in this instance behaves very well, with welcome, with respect, with affirmation, even with humility. And I just, I just wondered, I just wondered if for, for, for a couple of minutes we might have a, have a think about these questions here. Do you agree that we are the powerful ones? Do you agree that we in St. Christopher's, we in the West, we are the powerful ones? And if we are, how do we treat the less powerful? And how might we be blessed by the less powerful people around us? I just wondered if for a couple of minutes, we might like to have a little think about that, whether or not we actually share anything together. But just to have a little bit of a think of that in the light of scripture. somebody does want to say anything please just unmute your microphone and uh and 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 chip in oh, i'm waiting <laughs> could you explain what you mean um i'm not uh, very conscious of scripture so when you say um in the light of scripture um can you be specific in your uh quest to ask us about this please um in terms of define powerful please i, I, I suppose i'm i'm trying to um look at this story of, of the exodus and look at the way in which the egyptians are very powerful they are you know the most powerful sort of military political economic force of the time um, and, and as we know the story unfolds they, they behave very badly towards people who are weaker than themselves the Israelites um, but at this point they actually behave quite well and I, I just wondered whether we in the West are relatively powerful and, and whether we have used our power to um, uh, to, to behave negatively or oppressively towards um, other groups. Can I say something? 
yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, when you put that question up, I thought to myself, well, power can be given, power can be taken, power can be enshrined in a role, power can be abused, power may not even be acknowledged. And I can personally think of times where in a role, I should have felt powerful, but because respect is not given, you don't feel powerful. So just to say because you live in the West, you should feel more powerful isn't always necessarily true. Yep, yep, it's a good point, good point. Anybody else want to... Um... So, so we were thinking power in terms of like money and from like a money standpoint, we're very powerful. And I always remember seeing on this website, like if you earn 20K in your household, you're in like the top 10% of richest people in the world. And I think from that point of view, like it's almost, you don't almost notice how powerful you are just in terms of a money point of view. Um, but yeah, immensely powerful in that, in that respect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pete. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's the power as well. It can, it can depend on status and it's the same with the Pharaoh in Egypt. He had the power because he had the top status. Uh, he, in this case, um, in Joseph's time, he, he was he did the right thing. <coughs> but the Pharaoh, at the time of the Exodus, was a different person. That he had all the power, and he used it on behalf of Egypt. But whether yep. the Egyptians felt the same according to their status, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's, I think that as a <coughs> In UK, in the um, I think UK specifically, um, I think we the power is always 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 held at the top end of the of the classes. That's yep. where the power has has been. Um, yeah. Yep. And the people at the bottom end of the classes have always done the bidding of of the people with the power whether they wanted to or not. And, um, and historically, we've been used, you know, the, the lower classes to sort of do the bidding and, and the, whatever has been held. We happen to have benefited from that as a society. Um, but now it's all sort of mixed up, isn't it? You know, the, the, the power structures are being challenged. And I think um, because the power structures are being challenged, we can actually vocalise more. Yep. Uh, you know, stuff like we're discussing now, we're actually sort of, um, we have more um, more voice. And I think the people that have been powerless in the past, historically, you know, in this country, for, you know, for black people in this country that came, um, you know, before, you know, in Bristol, places like that, where they were actually brought as slaves, um, they had no power. But, you know, that's changed over the years. But it's, you know, it, 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 this is now time to actually sort of, it feels more apt and, and people are actually able to, to voice it more. And I think there's a joining of forces of people uh, at, gra at grassroots level um, where I think black people are actually starting to feel supported by white people more as well. I hope they do. Yeah. I hope they're coming across in sort of all of the, the <laughs> But the, the, the people that make the difference are the people at the top and the power again. Isn't right. Yeah, yeah. Take, yeah. 
changing? Is that changing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I realise we're at the beginning of this conversation, and um, and, and I'm, I'm conscious that um, I may not have left quite enough time to really get it going this morning. I, I, I do, I do want people to to, to feel free to um, to contribute, and and particularly um, good slightly more depth. But um, but please please know that that this is a, a conversation, and I, I do hope that we will get to a point where something changes individually and as a church and in some sense um, further afield because um, it does, it does <coughs> that, that, that God is in the midst of this and, and, wants, and wants something to change. So, so what we're going to try and read the Exodus story and we're going to try and learn from it uh, and, and see what it means um, perhaps to, to give power away in such a way that we are all uh, genuinely equal before God.